Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. This is episode number three. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Today, we're talking about the humanizing effect of humor. So welcome to episode three of the Presentation Boss podcast. Today, we're talking about the humanizing effect of humor. How are you going today, Mr. Thomas? I'm doing quite well. I last week had a bit of a cold, but feeling much better today. And while we're on the topic of humor, do you know, Kate, what's the difference between a good joke and a bad joke timing? That is terrible. You're welcome. (laughs) How are you doing? Good. Um, So for our listeners today, if you hear some squeaking or snuffling, that is actually my 10-day-old baby who is sitting here while we record. Um, He's lying here with his eyes awake, so he might make some little snuffles. So if you hear it, that is Mr. Elliot, who is just 10 days old now. Hopefully not enough to pause because he starts crying or something silly. Hopefully not. All right, let's see how we go. So today we are talking about humor and how we can kind of use it in our presentations, why would we want why we would want to use it in our presentations and some kind of tips and tricks around how you can start using humor if you don't think that you're particularly funny or or have a natural skill of using humor in your presentations. So where should we start? So I think it's I think it's worth starting with your own experience and understanding about the speakers that you like and the presentations that you like and why. And I would suggest that the talks that you often like the most are those that incorporate a little bit of humour, regardless of how technical or informative or inspirational they are. If they have a good bit of humour, you generally enjoy them a, a bunch more. So why do you think that is? Why do you enjoy things with humour more than you enjoy things without humour? Well, we know that audiences enjoy things with humour because it breaks down barriers and walls that your audience may have. So when somebody stands up to speak, the audience subconsciously has a little bit of an attitude of, okay, well, you've got to impress me and entertain me now. And so by having humour in there where your audience starts to laugh, well, then they start to like you. It breaks down that wall and it sort of collapses the divide between a speaker and audience. Now we're having a bit of a conversation and we can actually enjoy ourselves. If you think about everything that you enjoy in life, be that, I don't know, listening to speaking or your activities and hobbies or work, there's nothing that we don't enjoy more when it's entertaining. We enjoy everything more, the more entertaining it is. So, I don't believe there's ever an argument for this is a technical presentation or an informative presentation, therefore it doesn't have facility for humour. Because what you're trying to do is communicate a message. So that the more the audience is alert and listening to you and likes you, the more effective you're going to be in communicating that message to them. Yeah, for sure. And this is something that we talk about a lot, is that when you are presenting or speaking, whether it be you know on the main stage doing a keynote or just in a meeting at work, if you're speaking, you have a bit of an obligation to entertain. If you didn't have that obligation, then you could just send out you know, a document with whatever information that you're delivering. But when yep. you're speaking, you have an opportunity and obligation to make it a little bit enjoyable for your audience. That's something we both say, is that you have the obligation to at least try to entertain your audience in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And I um, have come from a corporate background, a very numbers-based environment um, in finance. And there are definitely people who are able to incorporate humor and a little bit of interest in any of the information that they're delivering. And then there's people who treat it 
so so seriously and like you're not allowed to to joke about your budgets or forecasts or we're not here to have fun we're here to have a serious time type of people but the thing is you're not dealing with computers you're dealing with people when you're talking about budgets forecasts all of that sure you might use a computer to put it together but you're still communicating that information to humans and i don't care how technically brilliant you are you're still a person and you still have a sense of humor that can be appealed to. And like you said, name something that you find less enjoyable when it's more entertaining. Yeah. I don't think it exists. I think the why of humor is quite evident. It makes things more enjoyable. Your audience will be more receptive to your message and it helps you connect so much better with your audience. So, Katie, you hinted at it a little bit. What's your view on how to do humor? So, my view on humor is that humour is about giving to your audience. And this is the distinct difference between people who think they're funny and people who are funny. The people who are funny, they use humour in a very giving kind of way. They want to make their audience enjoy what they're saying and enjoy what they're hearing. So it comes from a place of giving. Want to make your audience feel good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's the people that kind of have cringy humour that you're not comfortable with and you, you just recognise them as not necessarily funny people. Now, these are the people who view humour as something for themselves. So they're trying to make an audience laugh so that the audience likes them, so that the audience thinks that they're really funny. It's quite a selfish view on, on humour because it's not about yourself being funny. And in fact, oftentimes it's actually quite the opposite. It's not about you being great. It's actually a lot of like self-deprecating humour we know works when you kind of make yourself a little bit vulnerable and tease yourself. Yeah, and I think I think there's an interesting distinction to make here when we talk about self-deprecating humour. So, When I stand up to speak about PowerPoint, say, as I do, I will make jokes about being tall, I'll make jokes about my dating life, I'll make jokes about being incompetent at some skill like maybe driving, but I'll never make jokes about my incompetence at what I'm presenting, about PowerPoint or speaking, right? Because that's just casting doubt in the audience's mind around my credibility and speaking on that topic. So, Whenever you're making humour, make humour about yourself, but not about your expertise in the field on which you're talking yeah, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that I used to see occasionally is that people would try and joke about how terrible they were at their job. And it's like, that's that's not actually a funny joke. That's, that's not helping. That's not helping. You need to make jokes at your own expense about something completely unrelated to your expertise and competence So let's talk about the appropriateness of humour and when you use different types of humour because if we're talking about um, in a work meeting or, you know, with your friends or, you know, at a dinner party, there's going to be very different types of humour that you actually use. Yeah, for sure. And again, this comes back to that same thing that we were talking about and you're going to hear us talk about over and over and over is audience focus, is really knowing who is in your audience because what I can joke about on stage doing stand-up is absolutely not what I can joke about. Yeah, because you've, you've just recently done a whole bunch of stand-up. So, Kate, yeah. uh, what you said you for a number of years you wanted to do stand-up and last year just did it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been saying that I've wanted to do stand-up for 
uh, probably literally 20 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I finally made the dive into doing a bit of stand-up last year and um, a whole bunch of research on how humour works. Yeah, and so it, it, I think this is worth touching on because your stand-up set uh, was quite individual. Do you want to speak about that for a moment? Yeah, so I, I believe that whatever is going on for you at the time is a great thing to joke about. So the last stand-up that I did... I was quite heavily pregnant. I think I was 36 <laughs> weeks pregnant when I um, entered the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Amateur Comedy Competition. That is a mouthful. And I was, I was really heavily pregnant. So all of my jokes were about being pregnant and about that kind of self-deprecating what was going on for me at the time, humour. Um, yep. Previous to that, I didn't make pregnant jokes because I wasn't pregnant. It's a lot like I'll make jokes about being a tall guy. Or even being uh, like a white male, but I wouldn't make jokes about different body types or shapes or what have you. Yeah. Because that's just offensive at that point. Like you stay in your own lane. Stay in your lane. Yeah, I love that term. And we saw that, I mean, even in in stand-up or in other places you see, uh, like there was the girl on stage who was Indian, I believe, from the subcontinent, making endless jokes about being a taxi driver, which is funny from her. It will be offensive. Oh, highly offensive. From your eye. From yeah, yeah, yeah. So stay, stayed in her lane beautifully. Yes. There's a phrase that I heard um, a little while ago, which was punch up, never down. So you can easily make jokes about people who are maybe more competent than you or more experienced. Maybe at work, if they're a little bit more senior, you can gently poke fun at them. But never down, never down to someone who is maybe less experienced than you. The graduates or the interns or... Yeah, because that just makes you look like a jerk. That's not funny. Pick on someone your own size or bigger. Never the little guy. So I kind of just touched on it. I want want to mention is when we talk about audience focus is when you're you're writing this humour or going to incorporate it, it's always about how can I serve my audience the best? So what is it I can say and present that's going to um, serve them? What's going to make them feel good? This is a little bit like we talked about. You're you're making humour either to make your audience feel good or you're making humour in the thinking that if I give a joke and people laugh, then they will like me. So it's always around how can I best serve my audience? Yeah. So it's not only about staying in your own lane for appropriateness, but also considering quite heavily your audience. So when you're doing stand-up like Kate was, you've obviously got quite a different audience to if you're in the workplace or even if you're in front of friends at the pub or a dinner party. And so when we talk about putting together a presentation, there's always the question about knowing who your audience is before you speak to them. And so when you know who your audience is, you can start to tailor your humour because obviously different audiences are going to receive humour quite differently. People who are maybe from an IT or engineering background will receive humour in quite a technical or geeky uh, background, whereas maybe... That's a broad brush, but I, I do I do somewhat agree. Uh, and also, like, in front of your friends at the pub, maybe things will be a little bit more edgy, a bit more borderline. Uh, whereas if you're in the workplace, things might be obviously quite related to the topic or the people in the room, but language will be probably a bit more conservative. Um, yeah. And, and it's going to change as well, depending on the exact people in the room, age, uh, gender, backgrounds, uh, all of those type of things will start to shape what is and is not okay to joke about. And it can be okay to walk up to that line, but certainly never to cross it. Yes. And I think the blanket rule is if you're unsure, just avoid it. (laughs) 
completely. Um, you can't unsay things. Trust me on that one. <laughs> so I've noticed, Kate, that Elliot is rather quiet, very asleep. He is. He's being really good. It's nice he's fallen asleep. We should bring him into the recording studio more often. We'll hear his expertise on talking in a few months when he starts, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kate, I'm interested in putting humour into my presentation, but I don't think I'm a funny person. And maybe our audience, some of our audience will uh, sympathise with that. How do we start? Right. Well, I, like I said, come from a bit of a technical background. And again, using a very broad brush, accountants and finance people are not your stereotypically funny people. Not to mention you're married to an engineer, right? <laughs> yes, I am. Engineers, I um have worked with many engineers. Again, not the most stereotypically hilarious people you'll ever meet. But I have seen all of these types of people use humour brilliantly in their presentations. And oftentimes it's it's not people who I would say are naturally funny people, but they still enjoy humour. So they've worked out how to put that into their presentations. It almost sounds to me, Kate, like finance and engineering and data the content doesn't quite lend itself to humour as naturally maybe as the people who are presenting it. And so there's a bit of permission around you actually can incorporate a little bit of humour and a bit of personality into your presentations. Yeah, for sure. And if you can't maybe come up with stuff yourself, that's totally fine. You don't need to be up there, you know, telling these great jokes and stories. But what you can do is use other people's stuff. Yeah. Using other people's visuals, maybe there's, you know, a cartoon that you really enjoy or something that might be relevant to what you're doing. A great one for the workplace is the classic Dilbert. Everyone loves a bit of Dilbert if you can find a small strip that's a little bit appropriate. And the way that you actually find these is really, really easy. You literally Google, um, and this is one that we've used for Presentation Boss, I have Googled Dilbert PowerPoint. And then you get all of these little Dilbert cartoons. I'm hoping that people know who Dilbert is. It's this, he's an engineer. And you get all these little Dilbert cartoons about PowerPoint and we've dropped them into our presentations. You kind of lean on those for the humor rather than having to come up with it yourself. And people think that you're actually really funny. But they totally credit it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They think you're funny when you use funny pictures. And the same with, um, so I actually worked in workplace health and safety for a number of years as well. And again, delivering kind of statistics and stuff around that. And safety is a really easy place to find humor because there's so many pictures out there of, of people doing dumb stuff, you know, dumb safety stuff. Pictures and videos even. And videos, absolutely. That was actually a really easy way to start uh, incorporating humor. So then if I look at um, being in finance, what I saw someone do once was they brought up a slide and it was the biggest mess of graphs and tables and infographics <laughs> nice. and said, and they started by saying, well, as you can see here, we're f- <laughs> and everybody looked at this slide and just lost their minds and thought, what is going on? And then this guy presenting just went to the next slide and said, no, I'm kidding. This is actually... Yeah, nice. This is actually what where it's going and just brought up this one very simple graph that everyone could actually understand, but it absolutely got people's attention and it made people laugh because no way anyone was reading that original slide. But he just used a very simple bit of kind of nerd humor with graphs. And a key thing you said there is it got people's attention. It you've now did. got you've now got people listening and paying attention for the next silly thing that he might say. 
Yes, and there were plenty of little nuggets that came through that presentation, but he got us with that initial slide that he put up. Does remind me, Kate, I once watched an interview between a guy named Jamie Seymour, who is a, uh, a researcher with the James Cook University, and he worked with Steve Irwin. And Jamie was talking about when he first met Steve Irwin. So Steve asked him, hey, do you watch my stuff? And Jamie went, mm, yeah, I have to admit that I do. And Steve says, well, why do you watch it? And he says, I actually don't know because I think you're an idiot. And Steve says, ah, I've got you. He said, the reason I'm an idiot is because you will keep watching, wondering, what's the next stupid thing I'm going to do? Mm. And so, Jamie sort of goes on this bit of a monologue, which is, this was a guy who was so into his craft, so passionate about his message, he was willing to make an idiot of himself on TV so that people would keep watching. Yeah. And so, I think it's a little bit the same as humour, is if you can grab people's attention, like you just mentioned... They're going to keep watching because they're interested in when's the next entertaining thing this person's going to do? When is that? And so, while I'm paying attention to what's the next silly joke or crazy uh, PowerPoint slide they're going to put up, I'm actually receiving your information and your message. Yeah. So, um, I recently listened to a podcast with Andrew Tarvin, who did a TEDx talk on the skill of humor. And he talks about when he started to incorporate humor into his presentations at work. So this guy's actually a computer science engineer, I believe. Okay. Yep. He would start putting a picture of himself into all of his presentations. All right. So somewhere in his slide pack, he would have a picture of himself. So the first one that he did was quite obvious, but then he kind of became known for it and people would listen and watch his presentations waiting and watching <laughs> and trying to find the picture of him because they knew somewhere oh, just, in there he was hiding. Yeah. Just like a little one hidden in a graph yeah. somewhere. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, yeah, I don't and, know what and, sort of presentation. And like, how, and like how good is that for personality and, and peaking interest and people are paying attention because they don't want to look down at their phone if they're going to miss the silly little. Exactly. That's so good. And he, he was saying that people would start attending his meetings and enjoying them because they knew that it was going to be more fun and exciting. And he actually got a higher attendance at his meeting even though you know he's an engineer, just but, because he was using humour. Yeah, and that's straight back to we enjoy things more when we're entertained. I'm going yeah. to go to this meeting, not because we're going to hear about you know the fourth quarter's whatevers, but because it's going to be entertaining. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of scope for no matter what industry or area you're in to actually use a bit of humour, use a bit of personality. Even if you straight up copy someone else's idea, for example, you know, you could straight up copy Andrew's idea of putting a little picture of yourself in, yep. or I don't actually suggest that you make yourself an idiot like Steve Irwin. That was quite a niche thing that he had. But, you know, the idea is there the that idea. you you put something personal that becomes yours and you become known for it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you make up. You can use other people's stuff and still be credited with having humour that's widely accepted, I believe, as the beginning of the creative process. The creative process, it could be making videos for YouTube, making art, doing photography or writing humour, is to find somebody who you like or somebody's work that you like. So, you might find, say, YouTube videos that you like or you might find a speaker whose personality and style you would like to have. So, you see somebody who you connect with and you think, ah, their style is similar to mine. Like, I know who's speaking I look at and think, oh, yes, I, I can see how that matches my personality and my style on stage and my message. Yeah, for sure. I know people that I kind of 
am similar to on stage. Yeah. yeah, and so you you emulate them, or you might grab lines of theirs and think, oh, I, I can remix that, or I can add it in in a slightly different context. And so you actually get a lot of inspiration from those people around their humour, their style, their mannerisms even, that can sometimes be humorous, and starting to incorporate them into your own presentation. And that is widely, I believe, accepted as the beginning of the creative process, obviously adapted for presentations. And over time, you'll start to understand how they come up with those things or where they come from and your own content, your own humour and your own uh, entertaining your own style will Absolutely. Develop. Yeah, it will just start to happen. So there's certainly no rule that you need to write all of your own jokes or humour or um, little anecdotes and such that go into your presentation from the beginning. Like, absolutely not. If you need to borrow and get inspiration from other people's stuff, then go for it. I, th- I think there's actually an element of honesty goes with this. If you're presenting, there's a good chance nobody will have seen where that stuff originally came from. But if they ask, I, I would, would always be honest, be like, oh, that's, that's a line I stole from X, Y, or Z. I think we also know that there's nothing original either. So, you know, the fact that you borrow stuff from other people could have been, they've borrowed it from someone else. It's been it's remixed a, a bunch thing. of yep. times. Yeah. Yeah. In a technical field, one of the ways to find humour about that field is, again, literally Google. Jokes about engineers. Like, yeah. there's hundreds. Yeah. Jokes about accounting, jokes about IT. There's so much. And you might find a little quote, um, or as I mentioned earlier, a cartoon, and you can just kind of throw that in. And it just breaks up that potentially dry information and makes it interesting and engaging and, and just lightens it a whole lot. And don't forget, there's also like endless Instagram accounts and Facebook pages and such that just post jokes daily or give them a follow and and grab stuff that you like and just save it or make a note of it. Absolutely. And I think it doesn't make your material any less serious or any less credible at all. No, it's just about that audience focus. How can I best serve this audience you know, we, we talked about having an obligation to entertain them a little bit. And when you're entertaining yeah. an audience, they enjoy the meeting or the presentation more, which means they're more receptive to your message and they actually like you more. So there's a lot of benefits to making an attempt to put humour into your presentations. Yes. And I think it shows a level of confidence within yourself. Yeah. And comfort, I think. Yeah. Because I certainly know I've worked with people in the past who are technically brilliant at what they do, but they seem to be so afraid of being human, of being able to enjoy their work or... Of maybe looking silly or whimsical when they actually take their job quite seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I've worked with people who are, again, very technically competent, but enjoys their work and has some humor. They're approachable and I want to go to them because they're more human to me. Okay, so that's been The Humanising Effect of Humour, Episode 3. Do you have any final thoughts, Kate? Yeah, I am actually going to recommend that people go and watch one of my favourite TEDx talks, which is the one that I mentioned earlier by Andrew Tarvin, T-A-R-V-I-N, and it is called The Skill of Humour. And, of course, we will include a link to it in the show notes as well. Yep. How about yourself? Any final thoughts on humour? Yeah, final thought from me is... Humour, like any other skill, is to get going and then get good. It's kind of accepted that one of the worst things you can do when presenting is to tell a joke that completely falls flat. It just misses the mark, uh, which is fine. You just keep it's going. It's actually not a big deal. Yeah. No, it's not. It just If it falls flat, keep going. Don't worry about it. Because when you tell a joke and it falls flat, 
Well, that's now the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you in public speaking of any sort, mm. generally. So, you know, it's all uphill from there. So, with humour, give it a go, try some stuff, and you will get good over time. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. Want to get in touch? Send us an email at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. Oh, so Kate, I recently just got all of my old watches and I stitched them all together and made one big belt out of them. Uh, It's a waste of time. Ugh.